Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, we have a terrific show today, but before we get started, I want to bring on, as always, the woman who is as welcome as a vacation, which we probably all need, my producer, Lori Houston. (laughs) Hi, Lori. Come on in and say hi. You know, just a quick mention here of your new little angel. She is the cutest thing I have ever seen. I wish you much luck and happiness with her. What a fabulous gift from the universe. She is quite the little joy, joyful being. Adorable. Yes. Oh Absolutely <laughs> adorable. Well, Lori, speaking of fabulous, I am thrilled to have our next guest with us today, as I have been a huge fan of his for many, many years. Let me tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on. He earned his media celebrity status as an Emmy Award-winning television personality who Americans invited into their homes for more than 17 years, myself included. It was the Montel Williams Show, so now you know who my special guest is. The accolades continue. He is a decorated former naval officer, inspirational speaker, author, entrepreneur, and advocate for patients worldwide. And it doesn't stop there. Shortly after being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1999, he established the Montel Williams MS Foundation to further the scientific study of MS and provide financial assistance to select organizations and institutions. Over the years, Montel has been involved with many initiatives that are focused on improving the lives of people with various brain impairments and injuries that have had phenomenal results. His passion for helping others led him to create the Living Well with Montel online community. I love the name. Montel's hope is to use this community to educate and inspire people around the world to live happy, healthy lives, which is really what we advocate on this show, as it's all about being better than before, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. Everyone, it is an honor and a privilege to welcome to the show the one, the only, Montel Williams. Hi, Montel. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Jane, thank you so much for having me today. You know, Montel, when my kids were growing up, to encourage them to step out of their comfort zone athletically, I would tell them that I was a Navy SEAL uh, until they realized that they were no women in the SEALs. Um, But of course, now they're two Army Rangers, but they weren't those in my day. So tell us more about your background and and working with veterans. Well, you know, again, most people know I have 22 years in the military myself. So I spent, I was in the Marine Corps and enlisted, went through Paris Island back way back in 1974. And then I graduated from the, I went enlisted. I was uh, meritoriously promoted four times or three times and then promoted a four time to corporal before I transitioned into the Navy at the Naval Academy. I went to the, uh, tr- did a lateral transfer, went to the Naval Academy, graduated from the Academy, got commissioned as a Naval officer. And I got out after something and a half years of active service, um, uh, came up back to duty to start a nonprofit 
And I ended up finishing my uh, military career 22 years in reserves. So I've never taken my uniform off, and I never will. I mean, you know, once you serve for that period of time, you serve in places with the brothers that I serve with, there's zero reason for me to ever think that I'm not still serving today. So I'm a board member of Fisher House. I'm involved in, you know, I, I can't even count the number of military initiatives that I'm involved in across the country. Um, and right now, really focusing in, and have been for the last six years, on you know that silent ticking time bomb in America that we have today. And that's not just because of our soldiers, but it's because of the illness. It's called traumatic brain injury. Right. Um, you know, we look back and we hear the numbers and we, we talk about it, but it just kind of blows past us like a, a, a sharp breeze. And we don't stop for a second to feel the temperature. Well, let me talk, stop everybody for a second to feel it. You know, mm-hmm. when we think about traumatic brain injury right now, we only think about soldiers. But what people in this country don't understand is that over 2 million people a year in the United States who are civilians walk into an emergency room because they have suffered either a concussive or traumatic brain injury. And we have right now in America today living in this country over 5.5 million civilians that are living with a traumatic brain injury or concussive brain injury, costing this country upwards of $90 billion a year. Now, in the military, we have have over 30,000 soldiers a year who suffer a traumatic brain injury, in peacetime, guys who fall off the back of a truck, guy who falls in boot camp. Um, you know, so all of these people right now, we only have some very basic and fundamental treatment protocols for this, most of which is a drug and going home and sitting in a dark room. Um, most people who walk in that emergency room don't even follow up with their doctor to do the requisite therapy that may have been asked of them overcome the symptoms that they haven't even started to feel yet. So wow. what's so important to me is to get this word out so we understand that right now, today, there is an opportunity for us to impact traumatic brain injury. And how? And that's because, you know, the medical community is doing a lot to do clinical trials and studies to prove that there are some treatment protocols that are out there and available. And we need people to understand that they can go up on and get information, and they might possibly be able to enroll themselves in a clinical trial. In the trial. But, you know, also, Montel, with the NFL uh, concussion lawsuit and and Will Smith's uh, recent movie, Concussion, um, I think for most of us, the popular connection with TBI is focused on its relationship to to football. Um, Is that the same thing? I know, and that's what's so sad. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so sad, because we as a nation are only looking at football and saying, oh, it's so bad, this happened, but we're not even paying attention to our teenage girls who are the third highest demographic in America with concussive and traumatic brain injury. And why? Because we let teenage girls play soccer from the time they're six, seven, eight, nine years old and bounce balls off their heads and do headers. Mm -hmm. And we don't even pay attention to the damage that's being done on the field for a girl that is similar to the damage being done for a boy. So yes, movies like concussion that came out and those kinds of things. Oh, we all focus in and think that yes, we should pay attention to football. Football's not the issue, not just the only issue, I should say. The issue is bigger than just football. It has to do with any contact sport. It has to do with, you know, right now in in American Day, out of those too many people that walk into an emergency room, 60% of them are over the age of 60 or under the age of 6. So So uh, we have to focus and have to start to understand it again. Let's go back to some bottom line here. It's costing this country Right now, well, let me see here, $76 billion in 2010 
in requisite related disability costs for Americans, the 5.3 million of which are suffering today. So I really just needed to get the word out and hope that we could have people understand that there are trials that are going on and there's information out there that you can look into to even understand if you yourself had a TBI. No, and I, I, I was talking, a lot of people don't even know. I, I was talking with neurologists at the University of California, Irvine, and they're studying the, the uh, obviously the negative impact of concussions and repetitive brain injuries, and, and one of them is uh, water polo. Uh, players, which I mean, who who would it, who would connect the two? But that's another sport that's that's pretty dangerous for uh, a lot of these young kids to play. And then you know what? They don't even know it, as you said, that they're causing these. And it, and is it? Um, do you find that the repetitive brain hits can be more psychologically damaging and harder for the brain to heal than, let's say, a one-time traumatic injury? No, that's not absolutely true. Actually, okay. actually, a single a single traumatic brain injury can cause death. Can cause it. Wow. A single. Yeah. So what's happening, and again, when we, we, we had this discussion, and, and nationally, I've been running around talking and doing radio interviews and print interviews, we continuously come back to focus on sport. But the sport of life is the problem, and we have to start thinking that way. you got to figure that every single year, there's probably 10,000 to 15,000, well, I mean, in the entire NFL, the players that are playing, you know, mm-hmm. every day they get a cold concussive injury. But still, it is 10,000 of them. Now let's just say that's the number. I'm going to say it again. Close to 2 million Americans walk into an emergency room. Those under six aren't playing sports. They fell out of bed, off the crib, hit themselves in the head, running through the, the room and banging on the table. How about the, your mother-in-law or, or your friend who tripped and fell down a flight of steps and hit the head against the wall, didn't even bother to go to the doctors, and three weeks later are starting to have headaches, and three weeks later are starting to have some dizziness, and three weeks after that, that's the problem. And what I'm trying to do is get people to understand this is not something that we need to just think about when it comes to sports, athletics, or children. I'm telling you, when the child walks out the front door, you are in the sport of life. And... In that sport of life, a fall in the office when you were putting a light in the, the lamp up above and you smacked your head on the counter, and no, you weren't playing football. But that fall right there a year later can manifest symptoms. Well, look so at we the skier who, who did that, the, uh, the actress who was skiing, and she fell and she hit her head just on, and it was down like the bunny slope, and, and she, she died of a, of a brain injury. Absolutely. Yeah. So I they mean, can go, people, yeah. anybody listening, Anybody listening can go up on braininjurytrial.com. That is braininjurytrial.com. And you can find out today whether or not you qualify to participate in a clinical trial that's being done around the country. And this clinical trial is, is going to prove or disprove whether or not certain protocols can actually impact, speed up, or improve the outcomes from therapy. Yeah, so we and, need to make sure you yeah. get the word out and let people know. I, you know, I hit my head with an oar uh, by accident. I fell off when I was kayaking, and I, I was making this big deal. And people said, oh, come on, there's nothing. I said, well, you know, sometimes it could be, and it doesn't come out for, for months or, or, or years. It's been months. <laughs> I'm not, I think I'm going to get checked, Montel. You've, you've convinced me. Cause, well, you know, I'm, not, I'm not just trying to make you nervous, but, but the truth of the matter is, if, let's say, in the last you know, six, seven months, you were in a kitchen, 
cooking, and your husband said, hey, hey, and turned around real quick and smacked your head on the counter. If that made you on a, on a, on a, or one of the cabinets, okay, now if that just bang hurt, oh, you know, you got a little sharp pain, that may not be a TBI. But if you hit your head hard enough that all of a sudden, you know, you kind of felt a little dizzy or you saw stars or, you know, you had to sit down for a minute and 10 minutes later you have a headache, that could be a mild concussion. And even a mild concussion can end up causing residual and, and different symptoms down the road. The best thing to do is be checked by a professional. Then if, in fact, right now, most professionals are going to tell you, they're going to take you in, they're going to, you'll see a doctor, they'll make sure there's no bleeding going on, they will do a really good investigation on you, but then they're going to send you home. And probably they're going to tell you, you have to go in a quiet space, try not to overstimulate, don't watch television, don't watch movies, you know, relax, take it easy for a few days, and here, take this when you get a headache. Well, that's not treating what could be the underlying issues that could appear two and three years later. So there are protocols that are out there right now. Trials are going on all over the country. Um, and the best thing to do is to see if we can get people to enroll. Because the faster they enroll, the faster we get this out to the masses. And so I will say again, it's braininjurytrial.com. Please, if you or anybody listening right now know of a friend, a loved one, you know, who has suffered a TBI or concussion, closed brain injury, make sure they go up on braininjurytrial.com, see if they qualify in some cases, You'll be compensated. You'll actually receive, you know, a dispensation for coming to the trial, you know, your, your travel and those kinds of things. You can just go up online and find that out. And I read that you've personally participated in studies and trials uh, as well, right? Abs- in brain stimulation therapy. Absolutely. I, I, uh, the reason why I'm so focused on, on getting this word out is that, you know, through my own life experience, and again, I'm an anecdote of one. When you know things happen to one person, there's no proof. So you can't go around the world saying I did X and it caused Y and Z. That's the reason why we have things called clinical trials. But I have been working diligently in my own life to reduce the impact of the scars that are in my brain caused by a disease called MS. And mm-hmm. the knowledge of things that I found that have helped me. I'd like to be able to pass on other people, but they're of zero value to anyone else unless we've proven them out clinically. And that's what we're attempting to do. The Montel Williams MS Foundation doesn't just talk the talk. The foundation has granted over $1.5 million to research and has supported a study done at the Karolinski Institute in Sweden, which actually discovered an MS gene. Montel, is there a cure for MS on the horizon? I'm really so, the word cure is a very strange word, especially Mm -hmm. in today's, you know, um, dialogue. Um, You know, I'm a board member now of the Anne Romney Foundation, which is now associated with the Brigham and Women's Women's, um, Hospital Complex in Boston and uh, Harvard, I know that whole complex. And, you know, Anne Romney's foundation is doing some phenomenal research right now, just absolutely phenomenal research on everything from, from Alzheimer's to traumatic brain injury to MS, and they're sharing data back and forth. I think it's going to speed up that process. So in my lifetime, could I think there could be some magic bullet that would say MS has stopped? I sure pray that that happens for so many people. I don't think it's going to happen in time for me, but what I'm going to do along the way is make sure that I work on everything I can to mitigate my symptoms, and what I learn, I will pass on to others, period. 
Yeah, you know, I'm seeing more and more MS. People that I know that that say they have it, I did I didn't even know. So it's becoming more prevalent, or people are talking more and more about it, which I think is important. Also, I, I think we're also learning a little bit more scientifically about how to diagnose this illness that was literally kind of a little bit of a phantom in a way. You know, back about 30 years ago, the the diagnosis of MS was only given to Caucasian females of Northern European descent. Period. Now, over the last 30 years, we've started to understand that this disease affects a lot, a larger population than originally thought. And as we start to dig into it, though, and some of the, the funding that I was able to provide to the Nobel Institute, the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden, allowed a doctor by the name of Dr. Thomas Olson to publish a document having identified what they believe is the, is the faulty gene for MS, which is a gene that uh, is they consider a Viking disease. So normally wherever you can see in the world where the Vikings touch the ground, if they bred in those areas, you see MS in large populations. It's very strange. Um, and Sweden has one of the largest per capita populations of MS sufferers in the world. Um, so there is research being done. We're starting to identify them now as we see across, you know, the last 34 years, you know, there's really not a lot of homogeneity in a lot of individual races. And, you know, my, my uh, ethnic background, my mother's uh, biracial, uh, half Caucasian. So, you know, in my bloodstream, you know, there flows a gene that probably causes this. And, you know, I have a child who has uh, epilepsy. So and when we look mm -hmm. at men with MS, we see a higher prevalence of epilepsy in their offspring. So clearly there's a genetic disorder. We're going to get there as research is improving in genetics. We're going to get there. Um, but again, like I said, if it doesn't happen in my lifetime as a cure, I will make sure that we do as much as we can to help mitigate symptoms and give people a full life. Right. And you've had it since 1999. So, so we've had it for a while. Yeah. Well, you know, man, yeah. As, as we look back now on time, it looks like I probably have had this disease since before 1980, uh, you know, there were, there's a, there's a, I, I've had probably what was, would have been considered a very slow progressing form of the disease that then exacerbated itself and hit me really hard in 2000. But um, I've probably had this for a long time, just never always misdiagnosed. Montel, we now have you back again in our homes via Living Well with Montel. Are there any lifestyle tips that you personally follow that you can share with us? I, I would tell you, there's no chance of buts. I I believe 100% in the fact that you know you gotta respect the vehicle that you run around in. You, you, so many people buy a brand new car, they spend you know month after month after month washing it, taking it to a store, washing, waxing it, grooming it, making sure it's 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 perfect. We do that in everything in our lives except for the body we live in. And, you know, I realized a long time ago that the more we do to take care of this vessel that we live in, the better the outcome. So no ifs, ands, or buts. If you want to try to take charge of your life, take charge of your healthcare footprint, you have to be responsible for the fact that you need to exercise. We are not a sedentary, sedentary animal. You know, back in the day when we were little animals running around on the savannah, we ran around 12, probably six, seven hours a day. First, most of the time we were running because we were scared of lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, who were looking at us as food, but we were constantly active, you know, um, and we didn't eat, you know, the diet that we eat today. I literally have changed my diet. You know, I'm not going to tell people what diet to eat. 
a regimen to, to, to focus on. You need to pick one for you that works and stick with it. But we don't need to be eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of heavy meats and things like that. So you have to pay attention to your diet. You have to pay attention to your emotional health. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's as important as your physical health. And spending time with yourself on a daily basis, meditating and concentrating on those things that you need to work on are things that we all need to do. So I'm just giving you a really quick prescription. Exercise, diet, emotional health. You focus on those three things and just start thinking about those on a daily basis you can actually start to impact the way you feel every single day. And that's wonderful. And, you know, uh, Montel, we have two choices to make each day. Make excuses or make something happen. You make something happen, and we thank you for that. Thank you. And tell us once again where we can find the information about uh, traumatic brain injury. If they go up on braininjurytrial.com, that's braininjurytrial.com, right now you can find out if you or a loved one could actually be qualified to participate in a clinical trial, and we need you in these clinical trials right now to see if we can give uh, hope to so many more. So thank you so much, Shane, for giving us the time to talk about this. People thank should you. also do, do a little research on your own. Take a look at this. You know, when, Again, when your mother or your aunt or your uncle or somebody calls and says, ah, I tripped and fell down the steps, and I've had a headache for the last three or four days, you be the advocate. Say, take your butt to the doctor, please. I just want to make sure you're okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing everything, everyone. That's our show. Montel, again, thank you. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I'll see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins-Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.